Well, we got some wonderful news yesterday, as I'm sure you heard. Um, Justice Kennedy's retirement is great, fantastic news. And I'm, I'm surprised by it. I, I, I admit that I'm surprised. I really figured that he would wait at least until after the midterms to retire so that he doesn't uh, become the most hated man um, um, you know, in Washington, at, at least among the liberals and the media and so forth. But he did retire. And um, you know, I said as, recent, as recently as yesterday, I, I had said that I don't think we're heading into a civil war in this country. And the thing that, in my mind, would prevent a civil war is that Americans are very lazy. And also, you can't really get air conditioning and Wi-Fi on the battlefield. So I figured that would be kind of our saving grace that would prevent an actual war from taking place. But then Kennedy retired. And now we are looking at the very real, though far from certain, possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned and the phantom right to abortion being voided from the books. This, of course, would not be the same as outlawing abortion, by the way. And I know that this is probably really obvious to most of you, but some people seem to be confused on this point. This To overturn Roe v. Wade is not to outlaw abortion. That would not outlaw abortion. To outlaw abortion nationwide would require probably an amendment, um, a personhood amendment or something like that. But a SCOTUS decision would be hugely significant. It would be one of the greatest moments in American history by far. Um, though it wouldn't be the end of the pro-life fight, it would, really, it, would, it would actually be more like the beginning of the pro-life fight. The way that somebody on Twitter said, uh, I thought they put, it a, they, they, they put it in a way that's very apt, I think. And he said uh, that the overturning of Roe v. Wade would be like D-Day. Okay, so it's not the end of World War II. It is D-Day. It is like storming the beaches. Okay, here's when the real fight starts. And it's important for us to understand this. This is not me trying to downplay the significance of overturning Roe v. Wade. I mean, I would, I would literally weep for joy if that happened. I would weep for joy for days if that happened. Um, but what would then happen is that all the states would have the ability to outlaw it if they, if they chose to. And so immediately upon this decision coming down, if it were to come down, Abortion would still be legal in every state in the union, and then each state would have to go through and explicitly outlaw it themselves. And we know that there's a good chunk of states where that's just not going to happen. States like, you know, California, New York, it's not going to happen. Um, but then there are other states where it could happen, and that's where there's going to be a real fight. Okay, that's where there's going to be a battle like you've never seen before, and that's where the culture war, I think, could bubble over into something like a real war. Um, and it's just, I, we, we, you cannot understate or you cannot overstate the way liberals will react if their right to abortion is actually threatened. And this is not me at all saying, oh, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't do it because I'm afraid of how liberal, no, this is, they will explode perhaps literally in some way. And if that's the case, so be it. Because there is no price, there is no price that is too high to pay when it comes to finally doing away with this historic atrocity. 
And so if overturning Roe v. Wade and beginning to actually outlaw abortion, if that did bubble over into violent hostility because the left just cannot handle it, then I say, so be it. So be it. This is what we have to understand. Um, It's something I've been saying for a long time. I wrote a whole book on the subject, in fact. Abortion is the left's highest sacrament. That's what I call it. It's, it's their high sacrament. It's the most important thing to them. It's, it's, it's the thing that is most central to their ideology and to their outlook on life. Uh, the modern left was really born with Roe. And it, it won't die with the overturning of Roe, but it will enter into a new phase, a phase that is even darker, more depraved, more wicked and probably more violent than the phase that they're currently in. And there's a reason why abortion is so important to the left. We need to to understand the reason. It's a very simple reason. Modern leftism is the worship of the self. It is the worship of the self. And uh, in that sense, it is not, you know, some people will say, well, modern leftism is not the same as classical liberalism, the two completely different things. And they are two different things, but they're not two completely different things. With classical liberalism and the Enlightenment, the seeds were planted for what we now call modern leftism. The seeds were planted and they sprouted into this disgusting, hideous thing called leftism. And now, uh, what defines the left is its belief in the supremacy of the self. The self is supreme. I get to decide, not me personally, uh, but I as in the self. I get to decide what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is false. Everything is relative to my desires, my feelings, my needs, my proclivities, my lifestyle. I can even change my own biological makeup if I want to, I can, ch- I can change my very identity just on the strength of my desire. That's what modern leftists believe. Uh, the self is the highest life form, the highest good. And that is why liberalism is, uh, I have said that liberalism is Satanism. Liberalism is kind of a secular Satanism. And I don't say that as an insult. I mean, I don't say it as a compliment either, but it, it's, it's not, I don't mean it just as an insult. It's just, it's just true. Li- at this point, you can't, it's hard to distinguish liberalism from Satanism. And if you were to go to a Satanic temple, which I don't recommend, but if you were to go to a Satanic temple and you hear what's being said, it, it would sound an awful lot like what you would hear at a DNC convention. Satanists themselves will tell you I've gotten into some Twitter spats with the, uh, the, the satanic temple or whatever the official satanic religion is. And um, they're very, you know, they, they, they want to make it very clear from a PR perspective. They're very, they're very eager to inform you that they don't worship Satan. They don't believe in Satan. Rather, they worship what Satan himself worshiped, which is the self. Satan worshipped himself, the self. 
And so that's what the modern Satanists worship as well. Not Satan, not him, Satan, but the self. Which means that they are also worshiping Satan, they just don't know it. Um, they worship the, the mighty me, you know, me. I, I, the, the I, the self. Aleister Crowley, the famous Satanist and occultist, uh, said, the way he put it was, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. So in other words, just the whole, do what you want. You know, that's the, that's the only, that's the only moral law is just do what you want. And if, if anything could be considered arguably immoral, it would be to refrain from doing what you want. That's a, that's, you know, that, that is the only, the only perversion is to exercise self-restraint. And this is also how liberals feel. It's, just, it's the same idea. Now, here's the other point. In this world where there is no God but the individual, then the whole point, really, of life is pleasure. There's, if, there, if there is no God and there is no objective morality, there's no objective truth, then the only point of life is just to have fun and to accumulate possessions and experience and wealth, and, but mainly to enjoy yourself and to, and to have pleasure. Well, if pleasure is the point of life, then the most pleasurable thing, sex, is now the centerpiece of existence. It is the point of the point. And therefore, the worst thing that anyone could possibly do is impose limitations on your sex life, because your sex life is your life. You don't, you don't draw a distinction between your life and your sex life. Um, it's the same thing. And for someone to intrude on your sex life in your mind, interfere with it, impose restraints or confines or anything, well, then they're doing that to you as a person. They're doing it to your entire life. And the greatest, the greatest uh, limitation in the minds of a leftist, the worst limitation is the one that comes naturally with sex itself, and that is the formation of new life. So the point of life is pleasure. Greatest pleasure is sex. The worst thing you could do, therefore, is limit sex, and the worst limitation on sex is the fact that it naturally creates people. And so um, now the creation of people is treated like, you know, like a disease, like... Uh, like it's not the natural outcome of sex, but but more some kind of some kind of uh, mutation. And then the pill, you know, the birth control pill becomes like this miracle, a new kind of miracle, really, because the old miracles were all about restoring life, healing life, um, but this one prevents life. That's the new the new miracle prevents life from happening, and we say, oh, it's a miracle, but abortion. Abortion is the ultimate birth control, and also at the same time, the ultimate expression of the supremacy of the individual, of the self. The ultimate expression of a woman's liberation, liberation from motherhood, liberation from morality, liberation from, uh, from responsibility, liberation from her child. And her child, of course, represents all of those things. Her child represents responsibility, morality, um, 
motherhood, of course. So, so, so her child is the embodiment of that, which makes her child her enemy. And in destroying it, she kind of exercises her dominance and her power. Um, abortion fortifies sex as a purely pleasure-seeking endeavor. And at the same time, it codifies into law the relativism and self-worship of modern leftism. It is the foundation of the left's entire movement. And with abortion, the left has seized, finally, its godlike, the godlike power it has always craved, the godlike power over life and death, the power to assert the, 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 the desires of the individual over the needs and the very life of the other. So, they cannot let it go. They cannot. They won't. This is everything. If they let that go, they give up everything. And they will fight with a ruthlessness that you have never seen before. They will lie. They will cheat. They will destroy. They will kill. I mean, they've been killing all along. They've killed 60 million babies. So they don't have any moral qualms about it. If anything could spark, um, if anything could spark a new civil war in this country, then I think this would be it. But more likely is, is the situation I talked about yesterday where when we think of civil war, we think of, our, our mind goes to um, the, the civil war of 1861, where you had, you had the, the two sides, you know, marching towards each other in uniforms. Well, the South didn't always have uniforms, but, or shoes. But, um, you know, you have the two sides marching for, towards each other in formation, and then they're shooting muskets at each other and cannonballs. I don't think we're going to be, especially the muskets and cannibals, I don't think we're looking at a civil war like that. Could be something more, more akin to what I talked about yesterday, which is just kind of chaos and anarchy in the streets. Like what we've already seen in uh, Baltimore and Ferguson and other places, except that across the nation. And uh, involving perhaps this time guns and and uh and lasting for a lot a lot longer i mean i don't know I, I that that's what i worry might could happen and i think that you could argue we've been on that trajectory for a while now i talked about yesterday the powder kegs right we're sitting on certain powder kegs well maybe this is the biggest powder keg of all and if that goes off who knows what happens I say all of this just as means of, just in the interest of, of us preparing ourselves and looking honestly at the situation, where it's not going to be as simple as overturn Roe v. Wade, abortion is gone, hooray. Now, there will be a hooray if they overturn Roe v. Wade, believe me. But then there's going to be a real fight. And as I said at the top, so be it. I will fight that fight. That is a fight worth fighting. 
no hesitation. But we have to get to that point first, and uh, you know, and, and and the other the other wrinkle here. Last thing I'll say. The other wrinkle is, you know, this is going to require Republicans. There, there's going to be pressure on Republicans like they've never seen, and so the Republicans are going to have to vote to confirm a justice who could overturn Roe v. Wade. And, and, and that's going to require real actual backbone and courage from Republicans. It's like, I can't even say backbone, courage, and Republican in the same sentence without laughing. So that's what it's going to require for the first time in decades. It's going to require actual courage from the Republican Party this time to approve a justice who could overturn Roe v. Wade and, and to do it right before a midterm election. And I hope they have that kind of courage. I would not at all take it for granted that they all do. Liberals would only need a couple of, uh, of cowardly Republicans to defect. And there are more than a couple cowardly Republicans. It's more like there are a couple courageous ones and the rest are cowards. So, um, so this is not at all, you know, this, this is not all something we take, take for granted. And this means that we, as conservatives and pro-lifers, we have to be putting the pressure on the Republicans. Like, you better do the right thing here. The message from liberals is going to be, well, if you, if you vote to confirm a, you know, a conservative justice, we're going to see to it that you're voted out of office. Well, our message to Republicans need to be, if you dare, now, our message needs to be, if you, if you dare defect on this, if you dare drop this ball, you are finished. Your political career is over. You will never, we will never vote for you for any office ever again. You're done. It is unforgiven. It's the unforgivable sin. There is nothing you could do after that point to redeem yourself. You're finished. And so that's our message. That's what our message has to be to Republicans. You do the right thing here, or you, we are exiling you into the wilderness, and that is it. There's no coming back from it. So batten down the hatches, folks. Things could get ugly, but we're fighting for life. We're on the right side. We are, we are definitively, clearly on the right side. And so whatever has to happen to fight for what's right, well, that's just going to be, it's just going to be what it is. Thanks for watching, everybody. I think I just broke my globe. I have to see if I can repair it. Have a good day.